I'm Tom Saunders, getting through this in Los Angeles. And I'm Scott Blakeman in Manhattan. I'm a proponent of pajamas. Yes, the sleep time outfit that's fallen out of favor in recent years as t-shirts, gym shorts, and sweatpants have mostly taken its place. I personally wear flannel pajama bottoms from Uniqlo, but usually complete my nocturnal look with a t-shirt or a mismatched long sleeve pajama top. So I'm not a pajamas, or as they say and spell differently in England, pajamas influencer yet. But someday I do hope to own a complete pajama set, perhaps in a crisp light blue Oxford cotton, kind of like what Dick Van Dyke wore to bed on the Dick Van Dyke show, except that I would be in color and not have to sleep in separate beds. But my ultimate goal is to replicate a scene that is played out in many films, perhaps most notably of the James Bond variety, where the woman wears the men's pajama top and the man wears the bottoms. Well, except that I also have no desire to be a spy or to have the woman I'm sharing pajamas with be a dangerous double agent. But the pajamas of my affection need not be pricey ones from Charvet or Frette, but preferably not from The Gap because those pajamas shrunk so much in one washing that they went from long sleeve, long pants to shorty pajamas in one cycle. And no, dear listener, I shall not be wearing satin pajamas for fear that I will slide out of bed in the middle of the night. <sighs> Scotty, you must excuse my sigh for your introduction is taking us back in time to my earliest youth when every night I would don PJs as the cool kids called pajamas back then, back when the word pajama was so common it needed to be abbreviated, removing unneeded syllables and cumulatively saving years of time. I don't know if my pajamas were the finest of fabrics. They just seemed crisp cotton that grew soft and smooth with wear. I'm sure they weren't as Disney-fied as my friends were. Almost certainly the patterns on my pajamas were off-brand cartoon characters no one had ever heard of because they were cheaper, like Patty the Pelican, a short-lived early local Chicago television cartoon character. I can't be certain we, were, uh, we wore Patty the Pelican pajamas, but my dad printed Patty the Pelican products in his print shop, so we wound up with boxes and boxes of Patty the Pelican coloring books. I... I googled Patty the Pelican and found out it is notable for being on Jerry Beck's list of worst cartoons ever. But Tommy, by the way, I just applaud you for being able to say printed Patty the Pelican products in his print shop. Sounds like a, a test for voice over announcers. <laughs> and you pulled that off beautifully. And I'm so glad you um, I'm learning for the first time of the adventures of Patty the Pelican. And by the way, I looked it up. It has the funniest IMDB description I've ever seen. Here it is. The show is notable and infamous for its shoddy pencil sketch artwork, reused animation, rambling and apparently improvised voiceovers, muffled and poorly synchronized soundtrack, and general low-budget problems. Which makes me want to watch this short-lived local Chicago 1950s cartoon series all the more. So thanks to the wonders of YouTube, I did watch the episode titled Two Wet Bears, which more than lives up to that IMDb description. Scotty, The Adventures of Patty the Pelican looks more like what animators call an animatic, which is an early phase of the animating process where no color and shading is, is added, but, but just enough rough pencil, pencil sketches and crude animation to give the writers and the director 
an approximation of how the cartoon would look when properly and fully animated. That's what you get with Patty the Pelican. And the voice acting is putrid. Let's, let's, uh, let's play a little of it. Actually, some of the better acting. That that is actually that that and and, and we think it's just uh, all the voices were that were played by this one guy. Uh, it, it it really is. It's no wonder that that they weren't able to sell boxes and boxes of Patty the Pelican coloring books that my dad printed and wound up stuck with. This meant we, his own children, were coloring in the same Patty the Pelican coloring books for years. And years, even the crayons that went with the Patty the Pelican coloring book sucked. They weren't Crayolas like the other kids had with the familiar Crayola logo and large boxes with maybe 50 different colors, including gold and silver. No, Patty the Pelican crayons were just basic colors, five to a box. And they had some and they were some off brand. So they were too waxy or something, not enough color dye. So you had to work hard, just scribble really hard uh, uh, just to color and, and, and red would maybe come out pink. So, Scotty, while there's no evidence our parents made us wear unsold Patty the Pelican pajamas or that they even existed, something far more astonishing is happening right before our ears right now. You and I have unearthed from Chicago's past an almost forgotten local Chicago animated cartoon character produced for the enjoyment of young television viewers of Chicagoland and for some reason is based on a bird that is not at all common in the great, greater Chicagoland area, the pelican. Well, Tommy, as you said, I do believe the creator of this cartoon, Sam Singer, did all of the voices, which is why most of them sound exactly the same with a distinct uh, Chicago twang. And uh, as far as your dad's surplus Patty the Pelican coloring books, you know, I hope that some of those still remain in Libertyville because they could very likely fetch an unlikely pretty penny on eBay. Now, the difference between terribly made local cartoons like Patty the Pelican and very bad, well-budgeted national shows is the affection and affinity that I have for the Patty the Pelicans of the world. And the 1950s, when this was made, was really the Wild West of television. And with limited resources and perhaps, in the case of Patty the Pelican, limited talent, all types of programming were primitively produced and most are memorable only for their terribleness. But at least they had vim and vigor and showed great pep in their can-do attitude, even if many of them couldn't do it too well. I, too, marvel that in those early, heady days of television, folks in Chicago had the gumption to produce a locally sourced animated show. In this prehistoric era of television history, there were big league American cities at that time that had few TV stations and no local programming, period. Well, this was when Hollywood dominated the animation industry, and but mostly produced cartoons shown in theater as an added attraction to the main film. And Singer, this, this guy who, who drew the Patty the Pelican cartoons, he worked for Disney and produced another cartoon character, Uncle Mistletoe, for the Chicago store Marshall Field. 
Now, my dad must have been involved with that, too, because growing up, we had an unlimited supply of unsold rubber Uncle Mistletoe dolls, or were they action figures? Uncle Mistletoe was a grown man who wore a full-length coat and a hat and a scarf. Actually, Patty the Pelican is not the worst TV cartoon in history, nor did it have the cheapest animation. That distinction goes to Clutch Cargo and his pals Spinner and Paddlefoot. Clutch Cargo animation was so crude that it was almost a slideshow. And the mouths of Clutch and his friends were human mouths superimposed on the drawings. The lips and teeth looked horribly real compared to the rest of Clutch's face. Well, you know, Tommy, and I'm so glad you brought up Clutch Cargo. I went back and I do remember it a little bit, but I watched a little bit of it. And, and even the, you know, we wonder about the creators. And the lovely thing was they didn't think they had made Citizen Kane. They, they, they realized what they were doing and they realized they did it at a fraction of the cost that Disney would. But in the case of Clutch Cargo, it wasn't even animation. They called it photographed motorized movement. And, and ironically, the only animation was in the character of the dog. Yes. That was the one time they had to do traditional animation because the dog's head moved a little yeah. bit. And what they did was, as you said, it was real lips of uh, character actors who would have to put makeup on around their lips and sort of sit in this odd thing and then be shot and then superimposed on the uh, non-animated faces. And, and we knew it. We knew it. Uh, I certainly did. When I watched it, I thought this was this is the cheapest anime. And I was a kid. Yeah. And I was just distraught, offended, but uh, actually by the cheap animation, because you get this and you can see it going on YouTube uh, uh, for Clutch Cargo. You get the clean lines of, of you know, Clutch and his pal spinner and pal you know paddlefoot but but uh uh the 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 human lips and the teeth are usually not super white no. so they're kind of dingy and 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 yellow compared to the to the rest of the face which is all drawn and and yes the animation is absolutely minimalistic so i look at the animation of of um of uh of patty uh, the pelican patty the pelican sorry yeah blanked on how could i have forgotten that name patty the pelican it, it, it actually has real animation it's it's crude because it, it you know they just rushed it you could tell so they just hey did you do you have do you have this week's show well what are you talking about it takes a long time to run an animated show yeah. like, no no just draw stuff and actually it, it looked like it was actually black and white because as you say most cartoons were made for the theaters so they would have been in color but I don't think they had any pretext that it would ever be shown in a theater. So I think it was all black and white. Right, because TV was all black and white. In those yeah, days. there was no it was point. 1950s, right? 1950. Yeah, 1953, I believe. And it only uh, lasted for a month. Was that right? <laughs> and, then, uh, and then Clutch Cargo only lasted for a year. But of course, it lived on forever. Oh, forever. Forever. Yeah. And, and the Patty the Pelican, too. I, I would say Clutch Cargo was better drawn. But if they were just drawings, it was not a cartoon. It was better drawn, but then no movement. Clutch yeah. Cargo, uh, uh, Patty the Pelican was poorly drawn, but at least they made some attempt to speed them up and move them along. And, and but I just love the fact that it was Sam Singer did all the voices, like almost like, remind, you know, remind me of our episode, Goodbye 66, Hello 67, wherein my sister and I, at our young age, would be singing and, and just sort of these horrible made up, songs with our high-pitched Brooklyn accents. Horrible. It basically sounded like 
a bunch of kids. Hey, where are you going? I don't know. Get the boat. Get the boat. No, that was basically Patty the Pelican. And uh, I'm going to get you. Yeah, yeah. I see what you're saying. You could have, you could have been, the, you could have had your own animated show because of your voice. Well, uh, I could have been in the voice show. department. Yeah, sort of had that same kind of. Hey, guys, let's just here's the tape recorder. Let's just do it in one take. And uh, and I like that. I kind of that's. So like I said, it's kind of inspiring and fun. And it's yes, it's horrible, but I think they laughed at it also. But it was fun to do. I think that they sweated it though. I I think yeah. it really hard to do and there yeah. were a lot of the patty the pelican people were you know they were like uh, the chicago uh, uh, and, uh, uh, uh you know this was for for a precursor of an abc uh, uh tv station which became later wls tv yeah and uh, i could just imagine that the suits at were yelling at sam singer where's the cartoon sam when we got it, we're coming up to the deadline. Well, and he's like drawing madly, and he <laughs> does have that, you know, basic ability. I actually must say, I think the drawings of Patty the Pelican are superior to Clutch. I got to say that, and, and only because I think my taste is it more like these complete drawings, not just sort of these very simple. You know, that the 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 there really is an effort to to. Uh, to make a complete cartoon character. There's no simple, uh, superimposing of mouths. Oh, no, no. That was a complete Ooh, traditional process. Cartoon. Yeah. And actually, yeah, Clutch Cargo. Big, oh, yeah, yeah. The, and the people in Chicago, they didn't understand about cartoons. Take time. He knew because he had worked for Sam Singer knew he had worked for Disney. So he's right. like, and I could just see, you can almost see the drops of sweat on the picture. And, and you definitely see erased pencil marks occasionally. Well, so as you say, it's on the cells. They call well, it was a Herculean task because, you know, Disney, yes, they did, did it much better, but it was you know, millions of times more expensive. So they had no budget and they managed to put a, a real show. And frankly, I think kids probably enjoyed it. I don't think the kids said, oh, this is inferior to what I would see. And that, you know, this is not no Dumbo. <laughs> so I had kids and I saw, yeah, I appreciate it. Like I said, their gumption and, and, and Sam, I would be a fascinating story, what it was like and, and, it's just yeah. so hard. I can't even imagine doing it. So I appreciate I it. They really, I think it was a, it, you know, and it was all him. You know, I, they couldn't hire a bunch of animators and in betweeners, they call them. You know, the ones who draw the the the, uh, the pictures, you know, of of the action and fill it out so it's twenty four frames a second. Of and it's really hard. Can you imagine you got to draw draw twenty four pictures just to make a second, one second. Oh, no of an animated oh no i've seen it and i just it, yeah it's very uh, overwhelming to think about that so uh he could be uh, excused for not developing the scripts that well or uh and the voices oh yeah that's but, right he's got to write the scripts and he's got to do the voices and, the, and do all the voices so yes the accents slipped here and there and one of them verged onto a little bit of a kind of <laughs> derogatory uh, thing for one one of the bears but but he pulled it off well one thing i, I know getting back to clutch cargo that totally cracked me up I watched the beginning of it and the episode, you know, the title card said mystery in the North Woods. That was what it said. And the announcer said mystery of the North Woods. <laughs> so they actually got it wrong from what reading, which I think you never see these days. And they didn't they, they didn't fix it. They, no, they, and I love that. You never see that. Like, oh, we already recorded it. Uh, that's it. You know, like, did I use it? The Channel 2 News at 6. They never no, go. They, they won't notice. The kids won't notice. No, no. And it was like, literally, the card was up and he's saying it and it's wrong. And I love that, that they, that's, oh, that's fine. You know, but yeah, now you would fine. measure the Channel 2 News at 6. And, oh, actually, it's really 11. But okay, the 6 is fine. Right. 
you know, they say 11, we show six. So it was a, there was a certain, and you know, even the great shows actually, Tommy, like Ernie Kovacs uh, was, had the primitive production values of a public access cable television show. Right, now, yeah, absolutely. And yet, of course, he and worked wonders with it. People listening a thousand years from now, uh, Ernie Kovacs is a live action entertainer and it was still very primitive. Here, we're talking about uh, uh, um, actually drawing this incredibly labor-intensive and rather talent-intensive process of, of animating. And you're right, this is the, sort of the Ernie Kovacs of animation, you might say. Yeah, but, of course, Ernie Kovacs managed to be brilliant with all those limitations, unlike, you know, uh, Patty and the Pelican. Uh, but I appreciate... Uh, both uh, Andrew Kovacs had that famous one where these people are coming out of a bathtub and like 25 people come up and things like that. So he worked with it and they all did. I mean, they all really all did work with what they had and the budgets. And so it's miraculous that it ever happened. Yeah, at all. That, that, uh, uh, okay. So we, uh, um, we've proven two things right now, or, ra or rather we, we, we're, we've taken on two controversies. Let me, let, and I just want to clarify this for any of the, uh, our podcast audience that are just tuning in now. Like, would you ever tune into a podcast? Into a podcast <laughs> already in progress. Already in podcast. Uh, I I wish I wish there was a way to figure it out that we could do that. Right. Well, uh, um, I guess we could start. We could edit the rest out, and it starts at the seventeen minute mark. Yeah, but that's that would be a little. Uh, yeah, just so you could uh, have people joining us later. In, in the, well, what I'm saying is that we were were uh, comparing. Uh, um, again, we, we are proud to compare apples and oranges. We do it all the time. We, yeah. we, we're, we're one of the first podcasts to ever compare an apple with an orange, I believe. Exactly. So, so we're now comparing a Clutch Cargo with, with Patty the Pelican, but we're, uh, uh, and, and this was controversial. Um, one of us thinking, hmm, Clutch Cargo is the better drawn. One of us thinking, no, but I think Patty the Pelican is. So that, that controversy continues and rages. Uh, but let's put that over in the... In well, the also, they're talking about it now at the SCAD, Savannah College of Art and Design. And what's the one out oh, right. west? Uh, and, and Cal Arts. Out Cal there. Arts. I'm sure they have clubs oh, devoted really? to that. I will say, just to clarify, um, I didn't think it was bad, the animation on uh, Patty the Pelican. It, maybe because Clutch Cargo is more traditional with the color. And actually, Clutch Cargo used photographed backdrops. Also, which is more cheating. But more <laughs> cheating. Nothing but cheating with Clutch Cargo. Yeah. But 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 uh, we also compared uh, um, Patty the Pelican with early Ernie Kovacs, which is a live action. And you made the point. Uh, hold on there. Let's not go uh, 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 Patty the Pelican crazy here. Uh, 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 Ernie Kovacs is far smarter. And then you pointed out people climbing out of a bathtub, much like a clown car uh, uh, concept but turned into a bathtub. And I think I, on that, I will agree with you. Uh, that is not a, a matter of controversy. Um, Ernie Kovacs is the funnier television viewing experience than Patty the Pelican. However, however, I will say this. Uh, I am, I am, um, how shall I put this? I, there's something about animation where that in a way it, 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 it the, the effort I don't know what it is about it but there's a magic to animate and this is not clutch cargo animation but real animation that kind of makes me feel like there's more of a it's more otherworldly than than um, than a live action show 
I, I don't know if you if you agree. No, no, I, and that's why I give them I much more slack to a Patty, you know, the Pelican, if, as as opposed to. But I think all of them. I just sort of feel, you know, it's it's fine. And and the actually, there's a friend of mine, Frank Conniff, who uh, was on the original Mystery Science Theater three thousand, does a show uh, uh, live when such things will happen again called Cartoon Dump. And you know, there are many out there that are funny for various reasons and usually for the badness. But again, it's not a, I hate that it's bad or isn't that annoying it's bad or those people should never work again. It's like, this is hilarious. Yeah, I, I, It's great. It's how it makes you happy to see it. Yeah, I, It doesn't make you happy to see a badly boring written movie or a sitcom. It's not funny, but it makes you happy to see a, a cartoon that has, you know, is terrible, but still a lot of fun. That's it. That's what, I think that's where I was struggling to say just a minute ago. And I think you really um, clarified, even for me, actually, in, in real time, uh, it, it really is true that I will I'll forgive a lot of like bad um, jokes, bad comedy, uh, even bad music if it's animated and especially old animation. I just love old 1930s cartoon animation and how. You know Betty Boop and and all the yeah. Max Fleischman cartoons where everything is moving and 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 morphing into other things. It's very sort of we used to watch those cartoons uh, back in in the days of uh, the heady days of psychotropics and and getting stoned and going and watching old Betty Boops in the in the local theater at the well, it would be the Midnight Show, the Midnight Show, the Midnight Show, yeah, that with Reefer Madness, but yeah, they would have those cartoons. Oh, how we would love those. Those yeah. cartoons and 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 uh, and really and truly, uh, uh, we were way into Betty Boop and and Cab Calloway would make uh, appearances. Actual stars would would make appearances on, in uh, in Max Fleischman cartoons, and that's a really yeah. interesting case because Fleischman is sort of one step up. He's what Sam Singer wishes he was. Max Fleischman is was th- that studio was the alternative to Disney. For a while, and then Disney crushed that. You know, it was great. Now, not to be a, a scold, but I, isn't it Max Fleischer? Just, just for the cartoon buffs. No, no, uh, no. Yeah, uh, uh, I think you may be right. It's Max Fleischer. Yeah. Yeah, uh, Fleischman's actually is a was a resort in the Catskill <laughs> Mountains. It's, it's the name of a town, and also Fleischman's uh, margarine. But, but um, I, it, what what was good about what? You but said, everything else was totally true. It, it, uh, <laughs> <laughs> what what's good about what you said though was was that you said not to be a scold beforehand because had you not said that you would have been a scold. And yeah, I didn't want to be awkward. like uh, it, it, it would it would have been awkward because you would have only it's yeah and it's only for the public record <laughs> just so you don't get the telegrams coming in. Right. No, actually, it's flesh. So this will we preempt flesh. Sure, uh, uh, that's right. So so fascinating uh, trip through uh, animated uh, cartoon. No, it's exciting. And it actually is something else telling me that we grew up on cartoons. And yeah. I didn't realize this till later. But, you know, as you know, the Chuck Jones and all these people were brilliant. And there are people who just know so much about it. You know, we watched Bugs Bunny and Donald Duck and we love them. But these were great, great artists doing incredible Warner Brothers th- cartoons for, for, for uh, way before everybody else started being in Warner Brothers. And, yeah, that's uh, what I always used to watch, and, and I appreciate it on a kid's level, but it, it's, it, they work so well on an adult that's level, right. and Chuck Jones and uh, the others right. are brilliant. Cartoons, I think this, this you should appreciate in particular, because 
You know, Walt Disney, this is so interesting, Scotty. Uh, he came from, I guess, Illinois or sort of more rural Nebraska. I don't know quite, quite how it worked with him, but it was more of a rural, you know, barnyard kind of comedy with the mouse. And a lot of his, his early cartoons were set in barnyards and turning the tail of a cow into a crank and, and then cranking yeah. out milk and that, those kind of jokes. And, 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 but Warner Brothers was very urban and, and, and I would say uh, New York oriented. And yeah. so Bugs Bunny had a Brooklyn accent. And <laughs> that was a Brooklyn guy. I mean, that, that yeah. was Mel Blank, I bet, Blank, I bet he came. I'm sure he's from Brooklyn, yeah. And, and so it's a completely, Scotty, that, 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 the world of Warner Brothers, and he was always, uh, yeah, you know, treating uh, like Elmer Fudd like he's a chump. <laughs> like he's a chump uh, from out of town, you know. Eh, no, well, I, I know where the rabbit is. You know, like he is a total New York player that bugs bunny so yeah so, uh, uh, the antithesis of walt and, yeah, mickey and, and the mickey mouse whoa, whoa, i don't know i'm just a regular country mouse i don't know I'm yeah just, originally voiced by walt too yeah uh, yeah and then uh yeah it's uh, uh it's hard to believe but um yeah yeah but that is true warner brothers and, and so but that's what we grew up on and and those who i would say listen to warner watch warner brothers more like you i think developed a better sense of humor because it was uh yeah. you know Absolutely. If, if that's if that's how people get a sense of humor. Well, no, <laughs> from watching cartoons. That's what Irv Kupfernit would believe. I, 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 uh, it, it prepared me for a, a, an adult life in New York. Because, yeah, well, that's even more important. That's right. You know? And uh, I was ready. I, I, I knew I, I wasn't going to go. I'm looking for a rabbit. I, I knew not to do that. You yeah. know where a rabbit is. I, I, I <laughs> when I the first thing I did in New York is I didn't say to somebody. I'm looking for a rabbit and, and, and actually ask a rabbit where the rabbit is. Like that's the, that essentially in a way it, it, it's a guidebook for how not to be a chump. These uh, uh, Elmer Fudd cartoons. Yeah. I would like to watch them over and over again now. Cause, uh, and there were now in other countries, did they have their own versions or did they just dub, in, 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 you know, with Donald Duck and everything? No, they, Was there they dub, dub in, but that, sometimes you would see some weird Russian cartoon. I remember, yeah. oh God, I remember stuff like the Snow Queen, I think was a Russian cartoon. It was very, very um, austere and not funny and um, the, uh, sort of artful in the way it was drawn. So it, 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 there was no humanity or, or, or what's the word um, like for, for when a bug's bunny, it's not humanity, bunniosity. There was no cuteness in, in the Russian cartoons of the, yeah. the Snow Queen. I'll never forget the Snow Queen. It, ter it, it in a way it, it put me in a bad mood for many years. And then, of course, Rocky and Bullwinkle. I mean, that was uh, very sophisticated and very kind of a metaphor for the Jay North. Cold War. No, and... Jay North. No, it was uh, Jay something, Jay West or something uh, was the creator, and uh, he was a Harvard graduate. But you know what? They uh -huh. even milked card uh, like what's the matter, you? Uh, uh, that that was the university is always what's the matter you and Bullwinkle Rocky and, and Bullwinkle and and uh, Boris Badenov uh, uh, that was a very clever uh, take on on Boris Goodenough which is an opera and and not even a famous opera an obscure <laughs> opera Russian opera by the way yeah and 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 so there's Harvard you know fingerprints but you also see a lot of just 
milking jokes. Like they would really milk the comedy, the same joke. It was always "What's the matter, you?" There was never any other universe besides "What's the matter, you?" Yeah. Uh, yeah. Right. So that's what that would be my one complaint about Rocky and Bullwinkle versus the the the, the amazing level of of uh, uh, the Simpsons. I would say. Well, of course, that which continues. Oh, I will say the one thing about Rocky Bullwinkle. When I see a squirrel uh, in New York, I always say, hey, Rocky. Oh, that's... I name yeah. them all Rocky. So that's a bit of lingering thing yeah. in the series. And, 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 of course, obviously, the next question is, is do you call mooses bullwinkle? Do you, uh, um, but then you think, how often do you run into a moose, really, in New York? Uh, no, it conjures up the famous Woody Allen story. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> Shot a moose. A moose. Yes. <laughs> but, but uh, no, I've never... Uh, I don't think I've ever seen them even where you're supposed to see Moose. Uh, so, uh, but I will. I'm ready to go with Bullwinkle as soon as I do. Like Bullwinkle the Moose was, you know, just a sort of a friendly dope, and Rocky was kind of smarter, quicker, and 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 so on. But do you think of a moose when you see a moose? Do you think of it as a friendly, benign animal, or do you think, oh my God, he's going to he's going to ram me with his huge moose horns? Like do, you, do I mean in a like you say. You see a squirrel, you go, hi, Rocky, you must be Rocky. Hello, Rocky. I call you Rocky, like Rocky in this book. But then you see a moose. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I want to I wanna think that it's going to be like, doo-doop, doo-doop, doo-doop. Like, hey, moosey, hey, bullwinkle. <laughs> hi, who's good? I mean, I would like to think that. Again, I've never seen them, so I don't know. But, but yeah, they could be a little. I arraigned, you know, the, what, what are the ones with the big antlers? That would be a... Uh, Mooses have big antlers, and so do reindeers. But... Reindeer, yeah, and reindeer, I definitely have never seen. So, um, but uh, I have one quick thing, yeah. Tommy, just to tie in with reindeer, uh, reindeers and Chris Christmas. And by the way, I was thinking it's always Christmas Day, and that's another thing we can get to on another episode. Why don't we just call it Christmas? Because Christmas is Christmas okay. Day, you yeah. uh, and that's like an extra word that over hundreds of years, thousands and of years. So, but also, think yeah, think about it. Don't wait until Christmas Day to to get rid of, to eliminate the extra word in Christmas day. Do it now in this, you know, be early spring before the yeah. big rush, you know, before. Exactly. And think of all the time you're going to save between now and right. Christmas. Right. right. And, yep. Now and tying it in with our yeah, original. In a way, it's well, a little nervous. You're kind of, we're like cutting it close here that you're just now, you know, uh, uh, talking about eliminating the word day from Christmas day, because Christmas is only like what? nine months away something like that i know it was i was i was going to mention it last week and i and we did a pre first anniversary show thing uh and i always put it out there just for a lengthier discussion yeah later better late than ever and hopefully we'll be able to get on that before the big you know the big crazy pre-christmas rush which will oh i know that's what we the biggest christmases by the way Oh, it will be a re- record breaking. And, and boy, what we tend to do sometimes, so um, usually we talk things out sometimes, we just drop it out there almost like a preview or a trailer for a future show. Just, uh, and I will say, we, we started talking about pajamas in the beginning and, and thinking of Christmas Day, I, I, I must say with pajamas and you PJs, my mom would, that was the one thing that I, you always wanted to do what your parents told you to do. Like put your PJs on, like, yes, PJs are happy. They're happy clothes right it, uh, it, it, it's like if it, when you said put like if, if pjs if pajamas were made out of leather and studs and, and you had yeah. lots of lacing on them it wouldn't you know uh, you'd be, oh no don't make me wear the pjs but <laughs> they're not they're just simple they're the simplest easiest clothes to put on most comfortable 
Very comfortable. So it was a joy. And I wonder now, one thing I did miss, you know, not being celebrating Christmas growing up, I pictured, now you were one of many, many kids. Was it seven? Seven kids. Uh, uh, did you all wear your PJs yeah. around the tree? Oh, was it a very no good about it. We were PJs or, or maybe PJs in robe. You know, it gets a little of course, yeah. around Christmas. Oh, yeah. And uh, so, yeah. yeah, no, and, and also just the patterns too, because we were talking, we, we talked about, Patty the Pelican because of the, you know, PJs are the type of clothes that you can have patterns on. Yeah. They're fun patterns like spaceship patterns or, you know, set. I remember uh, uh, um, any kind of spaceship pattern would include Saturn the, the, yeah. that shows you this, this is a spa outer space. That's, by the way, my favorite. I think the coolest planet, Saturn yeah. with the ring. Who, who, doesn't, who yeah. doesn't wish that they, they could move to Saturn? Oh yeah, uh, um, but uh, too expensive. But it, but that always yeah. indicated, you know, yeah. So and I remember that kind of pattern, and I, and I'm sure. But I, I do think that other kids had like you know Donald Duck and Superman and those kind of things that we. Yeah, I'm not sure we really, you know, I don't, you know, I'm, I'm sure we went more down market, but like yeah, I have the a style of the, of the pajamas you wore. Yeah, well, I did. I definitely think of I did have the shorty ones but I also yearned for that classic piping cotton you know uh and I so I would like to start having wearing those again and uh but there's a, a picture of my sister and I wearing pajamas and and the robes you speak of we all had our robes yeah we had robes in those days wear pajamas to this very day yeah okay. well and I lack a robe today I used to have robes I do not own a robe so that, what does that, that say Tommy sometimes we need to go back to our childhood and get some good ideas from there. Right. Sometimes we, right. That's right. And, and, and uh, that's big news that, that to this day, this is how, how much you are, you know, committed or to the, to the pajamas and, and what a joy they gave you from childhood. Yeah. That to this day, you still wear PJs. Well, and I, as I said, I'm doing a hybrid thing. I mean, I, I, I just kind of do the half, you know, because right. I don't kind of become more. Yeah, yeah. but I do want to move into the years to where. You yeah, yeah. No, I have, and uh, uh, I mean, and then I've gone into the other, you know, blasphemous non-pajama phases. But I, I'm saying, in terms of aspirational, uh, I would like to not a Charvet again or Fred Tay, but a, just a well-made uh, cotton, uh, very Dick Van Dyke-ish kind of um, pajamas yeah. uh, ensemble. Uh, uh, it, it seems like a like an, a reasonable aspiration. One other uh, uh, point about pajamas is that they are being worn not just on campus. You know, we've seen stories oh, yes. about uh, uh, the, you know, college kids, you know, and, and it's that whole thing of they always want to eat cereal and they want to be kids and they want to be in their pajamas and they want to feel safe and, they, and, and everybody, you know, and they want to be comfortable and all the time, every, you know, every minute of the day. So they wear their pajamas everywhere. Yeah. And I'm starting to see it in, in, uh, in uh, the Palisades. So I don't know if it's spreading to high school or just. Well, I, I, yeah, I used to see it in college, actually in my building, which has a lot of uh, just out of college kids. It's cute when you see them wearing the, the girls, always oh, girls. I mean, guys don't, you know, but guys wear sweatpants. Guys don't wear guys aren't. pajamas. <laughs> I'm not sure I think it's cute, but I think it's, a, it seems. The girls, it's, it's a sweet kind of thing. And they, they usually wear like Uggs, boots and pajamas. So, it's an interesting look, but uh, not. I'm sure they don't do that in Milan or Paris. You, you look at them and go, "Well, I'm glad you're comfortable." You know, that's 
Yeah, well, that's what I, if I would speak to them. You're comfortable and you're, you know, you're, you're, you feel like you're at home. That's nice. Yeah, if I ever did speak to them, I might say that. But again, Tommy, you don't see it around the world in the great uh, Milan and Paris. I'm sure the women don't wear pajamas on the, in the great squares. So it's a, a different thing. But again, Tommy, that's a subject we'll be circling back, as Jen Psaki would say, to. And again, thank you for opening my eyes to Patty the Pelican and, and revisiting Clutch Cargo and I, I, Mr. Mr. Mistletoe and I had no idea. Uncle Mistletoe. Uncle Mistletoe. I had no idea we would be. We, I, I, I am as astonished as you. I haven't thought about those characters. Those uh, couldn't almost the most obscure cartoon characters in the history of animation. And we unearthed them on this show that was uh, uh, started out to be about pajamas, but then took us back to a, a, the dawn of, of television animation in Chicago. I mean, I, 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 I don't know. That's, that's a kind of thrilling time travel journey that you don't get on every podcast. Yet. And not every, or not even every other. Or, uh, not even. And I will say, Tommy, that again, uh, obscure just means something we haven't learned yet. And I hadn't learned that until today. And I'm so glad that I have. And so, I remain sincerely yours, Scott Blakeman. I'm still going to be Tom Saunders, and we're getting.